Welcome back to the Slumber Party Pod. I'm Lizzie, and I'm a talented little nut. And I'm Hannah, and I'm wearing a bonnet. And this week, we are taking it back to the movies because we watched Austin Land. We did. It was part of our Fangirl February, which I always almost say Fangirl Friday. It is a Monday. And this is coming out on a Thursday. (laughs) We love to lie. It's a fun little hobby for us. Um, which might actually lead us in. Hannah, you said you had a correction you needed to make. Yeah, okay, so before we dive in, um, I have a couple <laughs> corrections corner things to make, and I'm actually going to pull up notes, because my parents do listen to the podcast, so hi mom, hi dad. Thank you parents. Um, and they went on a very long road trip this weekend, and so they listened to, they like were catching up on episodes, they somehow missed our most recent one, um. Yeah. But, well, they listened to, they've listened to it since. But they listened to our State of the Union, and my mom <laughs> was texting me. Um, first, my mom was very upset that I was, how confused I was about the presidents, because both of my parents are social studies teachers. But some might say that you should have known that, but whatever. Need I remind you, I have a degree in art. Um, so... Now, let's put a pause on that. You have a degree in art history. Which not is the American kind. Not the American kind. <laughs> um, I told her I'm embarrassed, and she laughed. And then she loved our Venn diagram. And then another correction I have to make. Oh, of Jimmy Carter, George Washington Carver, yes. and George Washington? Yes. Thank See us you. on Instagram at slumberparty.pod. It's great. It's Lizzie's I, thoughts. I made a magnum opus. What? Uh, Siri just did something crazy. Siri, go away. She keeps doing it, too. Don't touch well, your I computer. I didn't. It's picking up on my words. Oh, don't I, touch your, your earring AirPods. Don't touch your AirPods. Touching your AirPods... Uh, get Siri to go. Right. Yeah. Noted. Another correction I have to make. In that episode, I talked about the Try Guys and how my fair, my parents and sister had recently gotten into watching the Try Guys. My mom says she's known the Try Guys for years. It was Kate who recently got into their cooking videos. Oh, and you know what? That is a correction worth correcting. How dare you question her? Lord. <laughs> yeah. Finally, my mom wants to note, she also, like me, associates National Treasure with the 8th grade field trip, because for a long time, she was an 8th grade teacher at my middle school, and she's done that field trip several times. Fun! Um, there's other notes that she has, but I'm gonna save those for our episode next week, a continuation of Fangirl February, because I think that those are more appropriate for them. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love that. But I just wanted to, I'm sorry, Mom. Um, oh, actually, one more correction. One more correction. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm There's ready. There's one that's good for next week. But in our last episode, Lizzie and I were talking about things that we're a fan of. Um, my mom said, so Lizzie likes the bangles. 
And I said, no. Lizzie likes Joe Burrow. I said, people don't like the Bengals. People like Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, people from Cincinnati like the Bengals. Well, yeah. But I was like, Lizzie likes Joe Burrow. People like Joe Burrow. And she was like, oh. And then, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but it became clear she thought, even though I believe we talked about the Super Bowl in that conversation, she thought you meant the Bengals, like the ones that sing Walk Like an Egyptian. The band. Yes, not the Cincinnati Bengals. She was like, they're the Bengals. Which, the redacted goals. Um, (laughs) I... (laughs) The Ben Um, Affleck goals. The Ben Affleck. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, since we're in our our little intro banter period here, will you allow me a moment or two to talk about the Grammys real quick? Yeah, make it quick. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, I watched all of the Grammys last night. This was a bold Ooh. move. I feel like yeah. in the past, I must not have watched the entirety of the Grammys, because it was three and a half hours long, oh not God. including the red carpet of it all. And do they show the red carpet on TV as well? They do. They show the red carpet, like, on E! News. And then, if you want to watch the actual thing, you have to switch over to CBS. Okay. Um, I really enjoy the Grammys. I love the Grammys. People who were listening to us last year at Grammy time will know last year's Grammys made me cry. Um, Miss Billie Eyelash's performance made me cry, and still to this day does. Um, I did not cry, really, last night. Um, but... But you live-tweeted it. And by live-tweeted, I meant texted me while I was asleep. I did. I did text I was like, <laughs> I don't think I live-tweeted. I think maybe I did no. a tweet. Um, no. But, yeah, I thought everyone who performed did a fantastic job. But the real, other than history being made, Beyonce becoming the most winningest Grammy artist Virgo. of ever. Um... There was, like, a 19-minute-long tribute for the 50th anniversary of hip-hop, like, in the middle of the Grammys. It was incredible. It was, like, every famous hip-hop artist you can think of, and just when you're like, oh, how can it get better than this? Oh, Queen Latifah comes out. Oh, my God! And then you're like, oh, my God, how could it get better than this? Oh, salt and Peppa. Oh, oh how could I get better? Wait. Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott. Did Nelly. Did Alison Stoner come out too? Alison Stoner was on. Nelly was there. Run DMC was there. Um, it was just, it was fantastic. They said, we know the Super Bowl halftime show is next week, so we're just going to set up something they can't top. It really, the way for Rihanna to win the hearts of, I think, Americans everywhere. Not that she really needs a ton of help with that. If Rihanna just took as many people who were a part of that Grammys tribute last night as guests for her halftime show, you're joking. It would be, I said, that performance last night will be famous forever. Now I have to watch it. See, I never watch award shows. I usually just, like, the next day go on the website and read out who won. 
Yeah. Um, but now you have me wanting to look that up on YouTube. It was awesome. It was all, it was very well done, I thought. Trevor Noah was a really good host. Um, oh, I love him. Yeah. Dua Lipa was not there, so. I don't know well, if they're still dating. that's why I didn't watch. I don't know if they're still dating, so. They're dating? Or maybe they went on a couple I did dates. not know that. In my brain, I think they're dating. I think that would be kind of a cute couple, but I don't know. It could. I had no idea, and I'm obsessed. You know, with her. I don't it's know astonishing, know amazing, talented, gorgeous woman, and very funny man. Um, yeah. I just also think Trevor Noah is very handsome. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway. Should we, um, we're on a schedule tonight. Should we get to our, our movie? Sure. Yeah. Austin Land. 2013. Which I, for some reason, thought this came out a lot earlier than that. Yeah, I, I did as well. Um, it's only ten years old, or I guess probably less, because I'm sure it didn't come out in February. I mean, it's possible. But... Yeah, this, it feels like, it doesn't feel like an old movie, but it feels like kind of an older premise, because it's, like, rom-com-y. Like, it mm-hmm. gives, like, 2003 energy. Yeah, it's kind of, I'm trying to think of what we could equate it to, but I can't think of anything really great. It's kind of one of those things that's in a genre of its own. Yeah, like, all the other, like, um, but, you know, there was a period where they made a lot of movies based off classics. Like, you know, Clueless and, um, you know, uh, She's the Man and all of Ten Things I Hate About You. Ten Things I Hate About You. It's kind of in that same vein. Obviously, this is more obviously, like, a spinoff. Not spinoff, but, like, it's more obviously, like, based on Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice. Um, But that's why I think it also kind of feels like it belongs from, like, the 90s or early 2000s. It's kind of, like, Bridget Jones-esque in my brain. It, it falls is. in the same, like, Bridget Jones, um, maybe, like, Letters to Juliet-ish. That one with, um, Amanda Seyfried. Oh, yes. Yeah. All right, Hannah. In returning to our roots. Yeah. Our film critic roots. You said that, and I got nervous because I thought it was my turn. It's Lizzie's turn for a 60-second summary. For a 60-second summary. I would like to point out first here, I thought I had watched this movie before, and upon watching it, I realized I think I had seen the first half of it and never finished it. So, oh, and the ending is so good. This is essentially my first time watching it. So, Okay. Are you ready for me to count you down? I am ready. Do your best. Three, two, one, go. So the movie follows this woman named Jane who is a hardcore, kind of obsessive Jane Austen fan. Like, has Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy cardboard cutout in her apartment. Her apartment is just decorated all in, like, Austen memorabilia. She gets fed up with her life and spends all of her savings on this, like, immersive Jane Austen experience in England that she goes for a undetermined amount of time they never really say how long that they've been there and the whole idea is you're supposed to be like courted by someone while you're there and you get to like wear the clothes and everything and it's 
completely immersive, but she gets there and realizes it's so expensive. She's paid for the most basic pack package, so she kind of gets left out of a bunch of stuff, and there's a little bit of a love triangle action with, like, maybe a Mr. Darcy character, kind of a Mr. Wickham character, um, and it does end in a happily ever after. Good job. I like that because there are some spoilers at the end and I wasn't sure how we should approach that. I, maybe we'll just give another little timestamp. Like we yeah, did that's what I was thinking. What's his face? Uh, funny you should ask. Yeah. Um, it's so interesting that you say that. I never um, really thought of him as a Wiccan before, but you're kind of right. Yeah, he's a little bit skis-tastic. He's giving Wickham. <laughs> he's giving Wickham. And, and Henry Nobly is, is Again, obviously giving. Oh my god, what is happening with Siri? Siri, be gone. Um, Siri Henry is Nobly oh my is god. obviously giving Dar- Mr. Darcy. Yes. Um, uh, Hannah, what do the people have to say about this movie in terms of a rating? I'm sure it's going to be something rude. Yeah, it's so rude. So the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, because if you've forgotten, or if you're new, um, we go on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this a 32%. Now, the audience gave this a 54%, which is still an F, but it's greater than half. Yeah. And I'll be honest, do you really expect me to trust more than 52% of people? No. Sounds unlikely. Um, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I... It was also... Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, hold on. So... Well, okay. I also went on IMDb. (laughs) This movie was written and directed by Jerusha Hess. Yes. I had to look at that. Who is known uh, for some pretty funny movies. Also known for Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre. Um, she is Mormon. She went to BYU, which feels, um... Hannah, I I have to make a confession here. What? I could not remember the mascot. You are Mormon? No, I couldn't remember the BYU mascot, and I almost just went, go Mormons. (laughs) No, they're the Cougs. The Cougars. Um, but that now makes this make sense because this movie was also produced by a Miss Stephanie Meyer of Twilight of Twilight authorship fame which is so interesting because it's based off of a book not Pride and Prejudice called Austin Land by Shannon Hale who is Is known widely for a lot of her kind of like young adult-ish books that were primarily targeted for, like, young tween-ish girls. Yeah. That Stephanie Meyer, you're sure? Yes, I clicked on it because I said, wow, that looks like it, and it takes uh, you to the Stephanie Meyer, whose birthday is Christmas Eve, um, the, the, the vampire Stephanie Meyer herself. And it's so interesting because Obviously, she had these immensely famous books that became movies in 2012, the last 
the final um, Twilight movie came out and made a whopping $292 million at the box office. And then one year later, Austin Land came out and made a measly $2 million. That's bananas. But you know what? Oh, that's a lie. I was going to say Austin Land has a higher tomato meter score than Breaking Dawn Part 1. So. Well. We have to take some wins. Not Breaking Dawn Part 2, which is confusing, because that's the one with creepy Renesmee. I don't know. This is not our Twilight episode. This is not. Sorry, Ian. Um, Sorry, Ian. Soon. But yeah. Jerusha Hest uh, is the director, writer, producer, friends with Stephanie Meyer, um, Mormon, Napoleon Dynamite, Macho Libre. Yeah. From Kansas. Wildcat. I was okay. gonna say I, I know that that um okay. might be fun for you. It is fun for me. Lizzie, tell us a little bit about who's in this movie. Oh, thank you for asking. Because this is very exciting to me for a number of reasons. So our protagonist, Jane, Jane Hayes, is played by Carrie Russell, mm-hmm. who I love. I think Carrie Russell is fantastic. She, what a lot of people will know her from is um, either the television show Felicity, which ran from 1998 to 2002, or the very different TV show The Americans, where she played a Russian spy, which was on air from 2013 to 2018. It is a fantastic, fantastic show. Oh, cool. Um, She was also, for... The musical theater inclined who are listening, um, she played Jenna in the movie Waitress, which then got turned into um, the musical Waitress with music by Sarah Rollis. Oh, Um, I had seen that. I forgot. And perhaps most excitingly, going forward, is she's been in like a million and nine things. Um, but in this, the year 2023, she's going to be in the film Cocaine Bear. <laughs> is that about the bear that did cocaine in Poland? It is um, about a 500-pound black bear who consumed a ton of cocaine um, in Georgia. It's based off of a true story, I believe. I saw the trailer, and it was scary looking. And it's it's supposed to be like a dark comedy. Yeah, because the... The bear is on coke and is going to kill people. Right. Well, but there was a bear in the Polish army that drank beer. Yes. I don't remember his name, though. I'm sorry to that bear. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's Carrie Russell. She plays Jane Hayes. Um, J.J. Field is in this. He plays um, Henry Nogley, who's kind of like the Mr. Darcy character. He is the Mr. Darcy. He is the Mr. Darcy. Um, which is interesting because he, um, has been in quite a few other, like, period pieces. Oh, well, he's got the look. He was in Northanger Abbey with, um, oh, what the hell is her name? Felicity Jones. He played Mr. Tilney. Um, so he's been in a lot of, sort of, that kind of other stuff. And he's also in Captain America the First Avenger. 
Yes, I saw that as well. Yeah, which I've never uh-huh. seen, but I'm sure he's good. Now there is one member of the cast that is especially exciting. Before we get to this person, I'm gonna make a quick side note for my own personal mm-hmm. entertainment and also my mom's. Um, so there's a character called Martin, who is the one that we've been referring to as the Mr. Wickham character, who is mm-hmm. you know kind of like a love interest for a lot of the story. Um, and he yeah. is played by an actor named Brett McKenzie, who is a musician from New Zealand and also um, a comedian. And he is part of the musical comedy duo Flight of the Concords, if you're familiar with their work at all. But my mom loves Flight of the Concords, and like most of the family does. And I grew up listening to a lot of their, like, comedic songs as a kid. Is it like giving Bo Burnham, like, that kind of comedy music? Yeah, but pre, pre-Bo Burnham. And, like, well, silly. Yeah. Um, there's a really good one called The Hippopopotamus versus The Rhinoceros. And it's about a hippo and a rhinoceros having a rap battle. And so some of them are just, like, silly and, like, fun like that. But some of them are, um, like, more grown up. There's one called Business Time, and it's about adults having an intimate encounter, but they have to, like, schedule it into their calendars. (laughs) It's very funny. Um, There's also one called The Most Beautiful Girl in the Room, which is very fun, and Leggy Blonde. And I used to go around and sing Leggy Blonde all the time because it... It's like an earworm, every single one of them. Because you are a leggy blonde. I am a leggy blonde. Um, I'm not. There's also a really good one. We might have to bleep this out. You might have to. There's also a very funny one called Too Many <laughs> on the Dance Floor. <clears throat> it's hilarious. <laughs> but, so that was just a fun little cameo for me. Hannah, oh, that's I'm cool. going to let you talk about the real star of the show, because I can tell you're kind of itching to get there. Well, I just, I mean, in this movie is the one, I forgot her name, the only, Jennifer Coolidge, who plays, she basically plays Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) Um, She, her name is, uh, I don't know if we ever find out her full name, but she plays Elizabeth Charming. Mm -hmm. And she is so funny in this movie. She plays another American that is going to this, you know, Austin-themed resort, but she's just there because she's loaded and, like, thinks British people are hot. And, like, she doesn't know anything about Jane Austen. Like, you know, when they meet at the airport, Jane and Elizabeth, Jane's like, so what's your favorite Austen novel? And she's like, what? And the whole time she's like, yeah. cheerio! Tally-ho! And she, she, because oh. she's paid for, you know, the platinum exclusive package, she gets to, you know, wear all these beautiful, like, pink gowns, and she has yeah. this amazing um, room, and she gets to, like, ride the horse and be the scribe. It's just, she's so funny. It's very funny. And for context, everyone, my notes that I took while watching this movie are, it, I told Hannah, it would have saved me time if I had just copied and pasted Jennifer Coolidge's entire script. She is the queen of one. She knows how to deliver a funny line like no one else. 
but she's also the queen of taking a non-funny line and making it a punchline. The funniest part of the movie. Yes. Oh my god, I'm. She fantastic. Like, give us some examples, Lizzie. Um. Okay. So, first of all, they come. They get picked up at Heathrow. Um, in this like horse and buggy or like they get picked up in like an old car and get driven to this like little cottage and then from there they get into a horse and buggy and like Jennifer Coolidge gets to sit on the inside because she's supposed to be the rich person and Terry Russell has to sit outside (laughs) on the back of the carriage yeah holding her luggage holding her luggage and Jennifer Coolidge (laughs) who <laughs> leans out the window and goes, I wonder if we'll run into some highway men. Before that, when they're in the car, she says, it's like a car from the 1800s. Oh. <laughs> so oh. And then it's like everything. I, I, God, I am really hoping a lot of that is like improv or something. She also goes, mm-hmm. do you think this is the car from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's Oh, she's so funny. Um, there is also a scene where they are, like, going out for their ride, and they're, like, supposed to be on a hunt, and so they're, no, shooting these, like, period-accurate weapons, and yeah, you just I hear, like birds. she, yeah, she doesn't even say it, like, out loud. It's kind of an aside. I'll be honest, I'm not even sure she's on screen for this. It might just be her voice coming from the ether. And she just goes, Can you imagine real horses and real guns? <laughs> yes. I love that she is everything. But the real the real two for me were there's a part where they're playing croquet or mm-hmm. pal mal. I don't know if they say which one it is. It's essentially the same game. Um, and Mr. Nobly is, like, going off being curmudgeonly and whatever, and you just hear her yell from the other side of this little green where they're playing, Get on with the game, you old windbag! And that, I've been thinking that in my brain, that line, for 24 hours. But the real crowning Jennifer Coolidge line is when the crazy woman who runs this excursion tells them that she has written this play that they are all expected to, like, take part in during their stay here. Everyone's like, wow, awesome, like, clapping, like, being polite and kind of cheering, like, for this woman. And Jennifer Coolidge goes, wow! You don't look like you could read or write. (laughs) (laughs) I missed that. Because she's also, she's like, what? Because she's like, you know, it's the plays written for three men and three women and it's three sets of lovers. And Jennifer Coolidge goes, when do we get to pick our lovers? (laughs) She's obsessed with this man that is so gay. He is. And she's like, eeny, meeny, miny, you. Yes. She's a hoot. Oh. I also love 
Because, you know, Jane has paid for, you know, the cheapest package. So she's in, like, what's ostensibly the servants' quarters is her room. And there's a moment where the two of the girls are in Jane's room talking about something. Something's gone down, and they kind of have a sweet heart-to-heart. They have a sweet relationship, even though Elizabeth Charming is so obtuse. Preposterous. But, yes. But she's, you know, she's like, I'm, you know, if you need anything, I'm right down the hall. Well, actually, I'm not down the hall. Because you're up in the servants' tower. It's scary up here. Sometimes I get sad when I think of you up here. (laughs) And it's, like, so funny. And also, it's, like, the first day. And it's, like, how often are you thinking of her up here? Yeah, sometimes I get sad. Oh, she... I love Jennifer. It's definitely one of the biggest highlights of the movie. Now, there's another woman, another girl, who is on their... Uh, they're at yeah. the same time as them. Her name is Amelia, Lady Amelia Hartwright. It's like her little character yeah. name. And I love her. I wrote down, what did I write? I, I wrote, I love the way Amelia talks and prances. Because she prances. Like a little moron. tiny I love her. And I, I realized, I watched this movie for the first time probably when I was 16 or 17. And I... I think I might have taken on some of her mannerisms because I do prance like that. You do. And I, I did have that thought. <laughs> when you were watching it, you said, that's I did. Anna. I said, I've, I've seen someone did that. Because she does a lot of, like, she's like, Jane, come hither. And then she prances away. She, um, she never just changes direction. She always ball changes direction. And yeah, and really. then, like, leads with her neck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and she has this amazing fake, we find out, British accent. And she says things like, Jane, we are bosom sisters. Yeah. Now that we are bosom sisters. And she has this amazing, at first, um, she kind of has this, like, what you think is, like, uh, a romance moment between her and Mr. Nobly. But then, um, what is his name? Captain East arrives. And played by, I can't remember the actor's name, but if you've seen The Hundred, it's Lincoln. (laughs) Big buff Lincoln. Um, and she is rippling. Yes, like he's a soap opera star in the show. And she loves him, and we find out at the very end. Amelia is one American. Yes. She's American, and her husband is very old. Like, wheelchair-bound old. So she just, like, comes to hang out with hot young men. And spend all his money. So good for her. Yeah. Honestly, I wish I was her. (laughs) Oh my gosh. The wind is so aggressive at my house right now. Yeah. Alright, that was weird. We have loud noises, too, but it's because I live right next to an airport, so I'm just getting a lot of airplanes at this hour. I, I guess I'm going to kind of start getting into my notes, now that we've kind of talked about our cast of characters. Please. Please, let's do. Jane, our heroine, our main character. I'm curious whether or not, and what you, I'm wondering what your take is, because it's not super clear. Is she... Someone who is obsessed with the movie Pride and Prejudice or the book? Because she mentions that she has read the book, 
but it seems mostly like she's just obsessed with Colin Firth as Mr. Darcy. I think it's definitely both. Um, but I'll be honest, I think you would be a little bit hard-pressed to find anyone who is a fan of Jane Austen at all. Even well, just, like, I mean, there are... But they're not like that. Because I am someone who is, I'm in the process of reading Pride and Prejudice right now for the first time, mm-hmm. technically. Don't tell my AP lit teacher that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Mr. Darcy is not, I mean, he's redeemable in the book, but he's not likable. No. He's not, like, fantasizable. Um, and I guess I did actually write down this quote, so maybe this answers my own question. Her friend, when she's considering spending all this money to go, you know, her life savings mm-hmm. to go on this trip, her friend says to her, you used to be a fan, you are an addict. You're mm-hmm. now an addict. So maybe she used to be a fan of the books, and now she's just an addict. She's just yeah. a stan of Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and then I wrote, would you go Austin Land? Absolutely not. I bet I want to go Austin Land. I, um, no. I actually <laughs> think I can think of few things that I would dislike more. Really? Um, here's the thing. The first 15 to 25 minutes of this film, I had the most intense secondhand embarrassment just for everything that was happening in this film that I almost texted you and was like I've changed my mind can we please watch something else I didn't remember (laughs) it being this bad because I first of all like when they showed her bedroom oh with the like it's like a two year old girl's bedroom here's the thing I think that was so jarring. It was jarring in a way that was not even like comedically impactful for me. It was, yeah, it was just, just creepy and like very much not practical. Cause she like Yeah, it was I don't know how she sleeps in there. It's just covered with like merch. Well, yeah. And homemade merch. Yes. From Hobby Lobby. Maybe. Okay, so you wouldn't go to Austin Land. Would you go on the Not Sorry Productions Pilgrimage to Pemberley? Yes, and let me tell you why. Because of Vanessa Zoltan? Because I feel like any sort of that, any type of organized trip like that, you run mm-hmm. into the same issue, or the same potential issue, which is other people. Um, and the people who are attracted to certain things, and I feel like the people who would go on the Not Sorry Productions, that, like, Pride and Prejudice trip, there's almost, like, an educational aspect to it, where you're still, like, a normal person in your jeans and sweatshirt. 
but you're just kind of interacting with the location. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, that fantasy, like, pretend element does not seem appealing to me at all. Good to know. Yeah. I've I've really and truly, I've been thinking about this a lot, like, over the last day, because I couldn't figure out what about it just felt so weird to me. And I think it's because, and I was like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, I did theater. Like, that should not be, like that foreign of a concept to me however i agree i wouldn't like the role play of it all i would want to wear the costumes well and that's the thing i think if there was a purpose behind it and if you weren't supposed to be on like all the time like she doesn't even do the thing right true yeah which is something that i also what is awkward about it is the fact that like the guests, like, none of them, well, Amelia kind of is, but, like, the rest of them, they're not on all the time, but the actors at the house are, so it's this weird thing where it's, like, I'm just me, but, like, I know that, like, you're here acting, so it's weird, and and the plot is, everyone that is a guest at this place, part of their stay comes with, like, a romance story with one of the actors, and you don't really know who it is. Um, when you arrive, like it just plays out, yeah, and it's like guaranteed, and then it culminates at the ball, and you get proposed to at the ball, yeah, and it's like how, and none of it is real, yeah, none of it is real. Well, well, well none of it is supposed real to for, be real. It's real for Elizabeth Charming. She's in love with him. Yes. Um, poor Elizabeth Charming. Poor Elizabeth Charming. She's so, so now, Jane, she knows this, and she thinks Mr. Henry Nobly, with a stick up his ass, is meant for her, but she ends up hitting it off with um, Martin, Martin. Martin of Wickham fame, the stable boy. The uh, stable Mr. New Zealand. Yeah, um, who is and they, supposed to be, like, the staff. Yeah, he literally is, like, the staff, like, he's, like, there, like, you know, getting the horses ready for the actors, and, you know, he he drives the car, he picks them up at the airport. Yeah. Um, and they hit it off, and he's kind of, like, slick, and he, like, talks shit about the actors. Yeah. And, you know, um, they, she helps him, uh, deliver a baby horse. Yes, a foal. On, like, yeah, a foal is what their names, which one of my notes was he, like, yells at the horse to push as if the horse speaks, <laughs> and the um, But that scene is also funny because in, like, the 30 seconds it takes for the horse to be born, he's like, go get some hay, and she finds the hay, but she can't figure out how to bring it, so she brings just two little handfuls of hay. Mm-hmm. And by the time she arrives, the horse is just born. There. She was no help. Yes. Um, um, but also, the, so it's interesting. Lizzie, this was technically your first time watching the movie. What was your impression of Martin? So, I knew what the ending was. Like, I knew who she ended up with. Are we, is this our spoiler section? I think we have to give up on the idea of having a spoiler section. True. We never worried about it in the decoms. 
So okay, I so. knew that she ended up with Henry Nopley, like, in the end. Yes. Because I had seen the screen grabs, and I, like, had a, a vague recollection of that from what I thought was my first time watching the whole thing. Well, well and, he's, and he's bigger in the poster than Martin, so. Right. Well, right. Exactly. However, their, like, chemistry between the two of them was, like, pretty compelling for a large chunk of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this certainly isn't gonna be how it ends. And, like, obviously they don't end up together. And, but I don't remember how they end up getting split up. But also, like, they clearly like each other, so maybe this is something that they should explore. Am I just completely misreading this? And then, of course, we have the revelation at the end about Martin. Yes, which is. So at the end, Jane has essentially like an exit interview with the woman who runs the thing to like make sure she had a good time and whatever. Um, and she said something about, oh, she asks like, oh, did you have like a satisfactory, like, was the romantic element of it satisfactory? She was like, yeah, I know you meant Mr. Nobly for me, but I actually ended up, you know, kind of having having a nice time with someone else. And the woman tells her, she's like, uh, no. I picked Martin for you the whole time. So he has yeah. been acting. He's an actor. Her whole... And so you think he's just, like, happens to be, like, the stable guy. No. But... He's a hired actor played to be the down-to-earth one. That will get her the down-to-earth one to fall for him. That is the whole arc that she has planned for him. And then after every time you watch this movie after that, he's just slimy. You're like, oh no. The first time, it's like charming. And it's like, oh, it's a breath of fresh air from the actors. No. He's an actor and he has a tramp stamp. (laughs) <laughs> that you see at the end when the men physically fight over her at, at Heathrow. Which she predicts. There's yes. a bit of foreshadowing because she's an artist, which you find out at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, not like professionally or anything, but she's just a talented artist. And they have a first little kind of not even an argument because it's they don't say enough for it to be considered an argument between the two men. And she, the next thing you see is she's drawn essentially like a caricature of the two of them fighting over her. Um, and then at the end of the movie, it comes true. But, but she gets Henry Nobly. Yeah, and I want to talk about Nobly. Please do. Because this man... He, when we meet him, and for most of the movie, for at least the first two-thirds of it, half of it, until they start doing the play, I'll say, he, you know, he's uptight, he's kind of snotty and short with everyone, not just Jane. Um, 
but at the same time, he is kind. Because, for example, there's a moment when Martin leaves Jane out in the rain, and he's like, I'm going to go get a horse or whatever to come rescue you, even though, like, they could have just walked back to the house, whatever. Henry comes and rescues her from the rain, and it just makes my heart go flutter. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know which section, oh no, at the ball. So they, they become closer, they end up paired together for the play, because Amelia has threatened Jane and said, you better let me get close to Captain East. I love him. So when they're pairing up as couples for the play, Jane says, well, I'll go with Mr. Nobly, so you, you girls can have who you want. Yeah. So they rehearse together, and it's sweet, and when they're putting on the play, they're, like, giggling, and it's very cute. They can't keep it together. They cannot. They're horrible it's so actors. Sweet. So then he, like, invites her to the ball, or at least he, he, like, says to her, like, oh, save the first two dances for me. <gasps> so they dance at the ball, stop, and he's stop, about to come. Con- Time what? out. Before this, they've escaped <gasps> from the horrible play. And he oh, yes. runs, they run, run, <gasps> run, 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 and they end up in her room. And they're being oh, kind yes, of yes, flirtatious. Yes. They're being kind of flirtatious. And he's like, why are we running? Yes. And she's like, she's like, because it's not proper for a man and a lady to be alone together unless, unless they're Unless they're in motion, which is true. That was, like, a thing. Like, you're allowed to be alone together if you're, like, taking a walk. Yeah. Or in running to your bedroom. Running to your bedroom. Yikes. And then he gets... He is like, what, um... What about being alone in your bedroom? And she's like, oh... So then he leaves... And then they both, like, they do the thing where they're both leaning against the door from opposite sides, and then he's like, and then he goes, can I come back in for a minute? And she lets him back in, and he's like, please save me a dance at the the ball. And he grabs her hand, and he (gasps) he doesn't, like, it's it's so precious. He doesn't kiss, like, her hand. He, like, kisses the inside of her wrist. And... This is, like, a callback to uh, earlier conversations that they had about how, like, they both like the simplicity of this, like, time period, and it makes them feel certain, like, they have a little bit of stability, and, like, yes, it's a nice escape from the uncertain uncertainty of their real lives. And he kisses her wrist and goes, um, when I, what does he say, when I look at you, when I'm with you? Hold on, he says I wrote it down. Me nervous. Yes, yeah. Well, that's a little. Oh, and he says, um, "When I look at you, I feel certain of something." Yes. And it's and then so, so at the ball, so they go to the ball, um, <laughs> and they're dancing, and he is about to confess to her that he like actually is into her. However, yeah. it's unfortunate timing. Because at the ball is when all the love stories are supposed... Because it's, like, the last night. All the love stories are supposed to come to an end. So Jane is noticing all around her, all the women are getting proposed to by the actors. So she's like, oh, that's what he's about to do. So they exit the ballroom, and they're, like, standing kind of in the hall. And they are, like, Rihanna. They're hand-to-hand, chest-to-chest, and now they're face-to-face. 
he tells her, you make me nervous. And then she says to him, you play your character very well. But he's not acting! Not Because we find all. out this man, Henry Nobly, because that's his real name, he's not an actor like Martin. He's no. a history professor. professor. And his aunt is the one who owns the place, and he's just there because she was, like, strapped for an actor. Yep. And she had it all wrong, and he says something about either, I don't remember if it's him or her, but it's in the conversation that they have at this point. She says something about bad first impressions, that they had a bad first impression oh, of each other. At the, well, because at the very, very, very beginning of the movie, yes. they have a sort of classic Jane Austen tense conversation across yeah. the dinner table at, like, the welcome dinner, yes. where she essentially, he's being, like, a little snot rag, and mm-hmm. at the end, she's like, well, I hope you're right, and first impressions aren't everything, because yeah, and then at the end, first she imp- says, you know. my first impression of you yeah. has left something to be desired. And then they call back to it, and I was like, that is so fun and smart, because real scholars, and by that I just mean people, most people, will know that the original title of Pride and Prejudice was First Impressions. Yes. And it only got changed because another book came out called First Impressions. Um, but they, so she leaves, I mean, she, like we said, Martin and him confront her at the airport. She's mad at both of them. She goes home to the U.S. He follows her and confesses, and it's beautiful, and he says to her, you are my fantasy. Oh, Anna. It's a real Rapunzel moment, and it made me mad at Zachary Levi. But it was a real sweet moment. R.I.P. Zachary Levi. R.I.P. He's dead to us. Not dead in the world. Just dead to us. Dead to me. Um... You talked about the chicken cutlets, right? Or was that before we started recording? <gasps> we uh, talked about we that before we started recording. It's the entire scene of them in the play is yes. hilarious. It is, first of all, just some really excellent physical comedy going on. Jennifer Coolidge is playing Aphrodite, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. I want the people making the Percy Jackson and the Olympians TV series. To, I know that they just stop. My virtual assistant is being convenient. Um, I can't say her name. She'll pop up. Um, I want them to recast Aphrodite immediately and put Jennifer Coolidge as Aphrodite and everything. And she shoots uh, Lady Amelia in the eyeball with a fake yes. bow and arrow. And so it's very dramatic, and everything, like, the sets are, like, crumbling around them as they're, like, trying to finish this play, and Jane and Nobly are just busting a gut laughing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lady Amelia, like, goes to try and confront Jennifer Coolidge, and Jennifer Coolidge, like, makes some crack about uh, Lady Amelia having small boobs. And then reaches down the front of Lady Amelia's dress and pulls out a fake boob, Chickens. affectionately known as a chicken cutlet, and grabs it out of her bodice of her dress and slaps her across the face with it. And it is incredible. 
how that is not being used as a reaction gif to everything on the internet, I do not know. The only part of the movie, to me, that's funnier than that, and this is my last note, is they're all, like, people were wont to do in the Regency period. Yeah. They gather in the drawing room, and people are talking and reading and playing the piano. And they say, Jane, come play the piano. And she says, (gasps) no. And they say, I insist. And she says, I only know one song. And they say, then play it. And she plays, it's getting hot in here, so take off all your clothes. I am getting so hot, I'm gonna take my clothes off. And then she gets escorted out. Yeah, she plays, dun, 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 dun. It's It's so funny. Amazing. The faces everyone makes. And the fact that Carrie Russell was able to do it with a straight face. Yes. Oh, it's oh, so what is, good. Oh, Jennifer Coolidge has an amazing line after that. What does she say? She goes like, that was bitchin' or something like that. She goes, oh, that was badass. <laughs> yes, that was bad. After, after Jane's been escorted away really fast. It was amazing. And that, to me, that's my favorite part so of the movie. Funny. It was so funny. Um, I will say... I have a couple rando little just film notes that I wanted to make sure that we talked about. One, we did get some excellent usage of tropes in this movie. For one, the Mr. Nobly visiting or rescuing her on the horse. Mm -hmm. And she, he like plops her on the horse side saddle and he's like, for us to go fast enough to get rid of the storm, you're just going to have to straddle the horse. She's like, I'm not going to be able to do that in this dress. And he just, like, grabs the bottom of her dress and just rips it. However, this is the best thing. They take all of these tropes that are, like, standard, like, romance tropes. And they always, they're always a little off. (laughs) They always don't do it quite right. So he, like, rips her skirt. But he, like, goes way overkill. (laughs) And so then when she gets off the horse... Like the dress is barely hanging on to the bottom, yeah. and you just like see her like pantaloon underwear that they've all been given, and she's trying to cut. It's hilarious, and I just I think it's hilarious when movies take tropes like that and mm-hmm. are like, okay, this is supposed to be like a sexy romantic thing, and we're gonna do it and ruin it. <laughs> Yeah, and she also, she's drenched in the rain like a wet rat. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, another good trope is the um, oh, what was I just thinking? No, 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 it was there. It was right at the front of my brain. Oh, we get a good makeover because yeah, they the put her in the most. They give her a really horrible, frumpy, like brown dress at the beginning, and, and so put they her s- hair. In this yeah, so they steal dresses from Amelia. Yeah, it's very funny. Um, yeah. So Hannah, mm-hmm. how do you feel about this movie in the context of Fangirl February? In the context of Fangirl February, I love. I'm so glad we got to do this. Not only is this one of my favorite movies, but it is giving Fangirl. It is giving Fangirl. 
Um, I don't necessarily, I thought you were going to ask me to rate this out of five, and I don't really know if I want to, no. just because no. there's nothing really to compare it to. I don't but want to do that. I think this is a good, this is a great fangirl movie. Um, it is on the verge of making, not on the verge, it is. It's making fun of super fans. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but, you know, I think it kind of, I mean, it's warranted. She's, she's creepy. Yeah. She has on her bedroom walls, like, I heart Mr. Darcy. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just a super fun movie. Yes. I think in the context of this month's theme, the reason I like this movie is because, especially the part at the end with her and Mowgli, like, it's really bringing it to a close that, like, People get real things from their involvement in, like, fan culture and, like, yes, liking the things you like passionately and not, like, hiding them away is really a reflection of what you value. Mm-hmm. And, like, the reason that her and Nobly have the connection they do is because... The thing that they like about this experience isn't the frills and the, you know, the extraneous parts of it. Like, that's not the part that's the most important to them. And it really connects them in terms of what they actually value. Which I think mm-hmm. is a good kind of real life, it's a good example of the real life implications of, of this sort of thing. So. Mm-hmm. And also, just a cute movie. Yeah, it's super cute. It's good we'll for, definitely for, watch for again. February. It's a good little yeah. romance February rom com. Yes, we'll definitely watch again. I think I will. Yes. Well, is it time for us to wrap up? It is. All right, Hannah. This has been delightful. Mm-hmm. Thank you for suggesting we do this movie. Thank you to Absolutely. the people who voted for this movie for suggesting we do this movie. It was very cute and fun, and mm-hmm. without any Don't further ado... Don't worry, y'all. Adieu, we'll do Starstruck eventually with BFF Jill. Yeah. Um, without any further ado, mm-hmm. do you want to take it away, Ernie? Take it away. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Beep, beep. This has been the Slumber Party Pod. This episode was edited by Hannah and collectively conceived of as a post-grad crisis by Lizzie and Hannah. This episode has been distributed by Anchor, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Ta-ta! I don't like that they what? say that one while they're kissing. They say tally-ho while they kiss? Well, it's like they're leaning in. And he starts laughing, and she's like, what? And he goes, tally-ho. Oh, yeah, no. Tally-ho. No, hate that.